Judges chapter 7, I'm going to go ahead and read the whole chapter here. I'm going to try to cover the whole chapter tonight. And we've already covered part of it on Sunday night, but anyway. Start there in verse number 1. Then Jeroboam, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of Midianites were on the north side of them, by the hill of Morah in the valley. And Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest yours will vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned to the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people into the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that, that lapped, Will I save you and deliver the many nights into thine hand? Let all the other people go, every man into his place. So the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. The host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass the same night, Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down to the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go with Pura, thy servant, down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down to the host. Then he went down with Purim and his servants to the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Malachites and all the children of the east lay long, along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto this fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent, smote it that he fell and overturned it, that the tent lay long. And this fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped. And he turned to the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And he divided the three hundred men into three companies and put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said to them, Look on me and do likewise, and behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet... I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also and on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred that were with him came into the outside of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts, and the hosts that fled to Beth Shuddah, and Zarephath, and the border of Ebel Meholah, unto Taboth. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together into Naphtali, and out of Asher, and out of Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites, and take before them the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together, and took the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. And they took two princes of Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock of Oreb. Zeb they slew upon the winepress of Zeb, and pursued after Midian, brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. Brian, would you help us up a prayer tonight? Pray for me. 
This is our fourth message here in the life and ministry of Gideon. We closed out chapter 6 Sunday night talking about those fleeces of Gideon and Gideon's faith not quite being where it needed to be and how much we can relate to him there, how our faith isn't quite where it needs to be most of the time. At least mine's not. Just, we learned just follow the word of God, just believe what he told you. They just kept on praying. You keep on, if you don't know, what do we do if the Bible doesn't plainly spell it out? We talked about that. You just keep on reading. You keep on praying and keep on looking for the Lord's guidance and his direction. Where God guides, he provides. He will shine the light down the path you're supposed to walk down. He'll give you peace about it. Just trust him. But preacher, I just don't have any peace. I'm just so confused. Well, you probably need to spend more time with the Lord until you get some peace, get some direction. Follow the Lord's direction. It's very simple. We saw that Sunday night. Tonight, we're going to look at the passage that everyone thinks about when they, we read about Gideon. The passage I just read, when, everybody, when you mention Gideon, that's what we think about, the battle of Gideon, the 32,000 men being weeded down to 300 men. And now God is dwindling the down, army down smaller and smaller. You say, why would God do that? So you can get the glory, and we're going to get to that later on. I'm always nervous to preach these type messages. We'll get that here in a minute because I don't want the, I don't want the Lord to teach me the hard way. Last time I preached on trials and the Lord weeding you down, like I guess Evie ended up getting sick and had to go through a trial on her own. I don't like to talk about those things. But that being said, I fully believe there's a reason God led me to preach on this passage in the book of Judges at this time where he doesn't make any mistakes. I believe he has a purpose for it. I believe he knew he would be here tonight and he wouldn't be here tonight. I believe he had a purpose behind it. I don't believe the Lord makes accidents. He doesn't have any accidents. It's on purpose. God has a plan. So that being said, I'm going to do my best to try to preach what thus saith the Lord whether I want to or not. <laughs> hope, you, hope and praise will be an encouragement to you tonight, maybe a challenge to you. Lord's talking preach a little while on when God breaks you down or weeds you down. So they close that chapter 6 with Gideon's fleeces. There, the last verse says, And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. And close it out. The Lord ended out. Gideon didn't say anything else. The very next chapter we see, God did what Gideon asked. He kept the fleece dry, make, made the ground wet. We don't have any recorded response from Gideon to that second request made by Gideon. God answered it. Gideon doesn't say anything else. Not that we have recorded anyway. We see later on in the chat, we already looked at it Sunday. Gideon's still not quite convinced, but he kept his mouth shut. Maybe he learned his lesson. He said, when his, his last requester, he said, Lord, please don't be angry with me. Maybe he learned his lesson anyway. So he doesn't have anything else to say. In chapter 7, we see them they gathering together for battle. Verse number 1, then Jeroboam, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod. So the host of Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill more in the valley. So Gideon doesn't ask for any more proof. He just gathers his troops, all 32,000 of them, and they go, they rise up early, and they went and set up camp beside the well of Herod. They set up themselves to the south of the enemy up and above the where the enemy was down in the valley. It's interesting to note here where they set up camp. It says they set up camp by the well of Herod. That means the well of trembling. I believe Gideon is still scared out of his mind. I believe there's a picture there. He set up camp by the well of trembling with the rest of the army. Gideon, I believe he's still scared of the rest of the army as well, like any other rational person would be. You look around you, it's believed the Midian had close to 135,000 men. It says their camels were without number, it's sand by the seaside. Gideon has 32,000 men at this point. Besides the fact Gideon is a farmer, he's no general of an army. He doesn't have any military experience. He has no experience leading troops in the battle, especially against an army of this size being outnumbered like he is already. I would imagine most of his troops are probably the same condition Gideon is in. It's been 47 years since they've had any sort of battle to fight. That's recorded. They've had peace for 40 years, and they've been in judgment for seven years. 47 years since they've had to fight. Any normal rational person would be trembling. We're going to go against an army that's way bigger than we are, already bigger than we are, and they're, pit, they're pitched their tents by the, well, by the well of trembling. 
Any normal rational person would be trembling. That we pick on getting his faith. Any normal rational person would look at it that way. But that's the point. It's not about being rational or irrational. It's about believing the Lord's going to do what the Lord says he's going to do. It's about having putting your faith and trust in the Lord. It's not about Gideon's abilities. It's not about the army's abilities. It's about the Lord. You say, oh, preacher, I just can't, I can't handle this situation. I'm in. I just don't know what to do. It's beyond my experience. This is beyond what I know what to do. Welcome to Gideon's world. Welcome to his position. God has just given him the duty of being a general in the army against an enemy enormously larger and stronger and smarter than he is. And God said, you're in charge under the Lord's leadership. Gideon, the entire army head, are at the well of trembling. Their first sifting, we see in verse, there in verse number two, the Lord's going to sift them down. It says in verse two, and the Lord said in Gideon, the people that are with there are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. This is revolt themselves against me, saying, mine own hath saved me. Now, therefore, go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And they returned to the people 20 and 2,000, and there remained 10,000. Gideon is gathered together with his troops. His test with God, they all came out like he wanted them to, or like God wanted them to. I don't know if Gideon wanted them to come out that way or not. He's still not quite sure about this whole thing. So they are there all gathered together, trembling, waiting for a battle plan. And the Lord begins to speak to Gideon. Gideon's finally following through, and the Lord begins to speak to him. He says, Gideon, your army's way too big. And Gideon looks around him. He says, Lord, have you seen my army? Are we talking about the same army? No, Gideon, is, he isn't questioning God at this point, even though we probably would. Gideon is not questioning God. He is past that now. We have to imagine Gideon standing there wondering, you still sure about this, Lord? He doesn't say anything. So God follows, Gideon follows God's commands. He goes up and he says to them, if you're scared, go home. And 22,000 of his 32,000 army packed up and left. 60 68.75% of Gideon's army stood up and walked home because they were scared. Now you have to imagine Gideon's going, Lord, you still sure about this thing? Are you sure? Did you, do, did you know all those people were going to leave? Why are we, we were already small and now we're extremely small. Why is God doing this? He already told us to why he's doing that. In verse number two, the Lord said, Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own has saved me. The Lord knew if he allowed Israel to march in there with a large army with their swords drawn, the normal weapons, they would walk out with big heads, bragging about how powerful they were as an army, how good and powerful they are. The point never would have been taken that they needed to trust the Lord. The Lord is getting, getting, getting Israel in a position where there's no other explanation but God. You ever been there before? In a situation in your own life, in your own finite mind, you could not figure out. It's in those times you learn to trust in God. Because if it were not for God, we wouldn't be able to get to victory. Israel is getting in that position. If it were not, if it's not for God, they are not going to get to victory. Gideon already realizes that. The Lord's making the rest of the nation believe it as well. This is where God's getting his people to, putting them into position where he is the only hope for their survival. Why is he doing that? Because they wouldn't trust him. They had their chance. They had they had freedom for seven for 40 years, and now that they've been in bondage for seven years, and they threw it all away. When Debra and Brack died, they were punished. They won't out, and God says, okay. I'll get you out, but you're going to have to learn to trust me. You're going to learn to put your faith in me. So they're now down to 10,000 men. It's still a scary, small number for Gideon and his men. But as we already know, God's not done with them. We see the second sifting, verse number four. And the Lord said, And Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. Whomsoever say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down his pe- the people into the water, the Lord said, again, everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. A number of them that lappeth, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men, while the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. The Lord said, again, by the 300 men that lapped, will I save you and deliver the Midianites in thine hand. Let all the people 
a lot of other people go, every man, into his place. So people took victuals in their hand or trumpets and sent all the rest of Israel, every man, to his tent. He retained those 300 men, and the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. So you get the picture here, and you, most of you probably know this story. God says, still too many for me to get the glory. They go down, they get some water. They don't know they're being tested. God says to get in, and those that stick their hand in the water and pick up the water and lap it with their tongue like a dog, you set them to the side. Those that bend down and put their face to the water, you set them aside. So what happened? The Lord said again, by those 300 that picked, up with the, picked the water up with their hand, lap it while they're standing up and looking around, by those 300, I will save you. Gideon followed God's command. He sent those 9,700 men back to their tent, it says. And he kept the 300 men and prepared for battle. Another interesting thing to note here, those 22,000 men went home, gathered things and left. They departed from Mount Gilead. However, these 9,700 men that laughed with their tongue, that, that bent down and got, the water out of the, got their face in the water, they went back to their tent. They didn't go back home. There's something interesting there I noticed. Why didn't they go home? These men might have not been the best of the 300 Later on, we're going to see they're going to, still going to get to fight. Maybe the rest of them went home. Later on, they're going to get to fight as well. These Lord has, still has plans for them. So those 300 men, they grab their victuals. It says what some might call their, their victuals. It's meat, provision, or venison. Those 300 men had deer meat in one hand and a trumpet in the other hand, and were getting ready to go into battle. First thing, they grab their trumpet and their deer meat. This doesn't sound like an army I've ever seen before. Yeah, they can kill a deer, but they can't kill a Midianite. That's the question. They didn't need one. They didn't need a sword at this time because God's going to fight for them. They grabbed their, their nutrients, they grabbed their trumpet, and they went. There's never a sword planned for the first maneuver in their battle plan. They didn't need a sword. They had no plans for getting it and telling them to get one. So we see their battle. We see their second sifting. We see the encouragement. We've already touched on this some. It says in verse number 9, And it came to pass the same night, the Lord said unto them, Arise, get thee down to the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. I know we've already talked about this other night, so I'm going to skip down to verse number 15. And, so, and it was so, when getting heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped, and returned to the host of Israel and said, Arise, the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Gideon heard what God said. He heard the dream, what the man said. He heard the dream. He heard the interpretation of the dream. He heard about the barley loaf and the tent falling down, how they knew that was Gideon, going to defeat them by the Lord. We didn't get too much into that other night, but there's a lot of meaning to that dream. That barley loaf there is obviously, as, as it tells us it is, it means Gideon. Barley being the poorest of the poor of foods. So only those desperate for food would be the ones eating barley. And it's hard enough, this piece of barley bread is hard enough to run in a hill and stout enough to run in a hill and knock down a tent and flip it over. Not very, not very desirable to a man. We wouldn't look at that loaf of barley bread that's hard enough to knock down a tent and say, I want to eat that. Not very desirable for a man. But God said, Gideon, he's the man I want to use. And in man's eyes, he was nothing. In God's eyes, he was something. That's the way we are a lot of times. We are the least of the least and undesirable to man. Nothing in man's eyes. In man's eyes look like a failure. In God's eyes, he looks down and says, yep. I'll use him. Gideon's the poorest, the poor, at least the least, and God says, I'll use him. It says Gideon heard it, and he says he worshiped. That worship there means to fall down prostrate before God. It means he heard what it said. He fell on his face outside the tent, sort of worshiping the Lord right in the middle of the enemy's camp. Why did God do this? Because Gideon is still scared. We already talked about that. Gideon is still looking around at himself, and he's now his 300-man army, and the fact that they, they aren't even carrying swords, and they just have food and a trumpet, God reminds Gideon, Gideon, I'm still the one. I'm going to be the one fighting the battle, not you. And even the enemy knows that. You just do what you're supposed to. And Gideon, he falls and he worships the Lord, and he turns back to the army, a changed man. He comes back and he says, "Arise, get up, for the Lord has won the battle for us. Arise, Lord, that's delivered in your hand the host of Midian." He says, "Get up, fellows, the Lord's already won it for us. Let's go to the battles, get this done." We see their encouragement. Gideon is finally on board with this thing. We see the plan, verse number sixteen. 
I know I'm skimming through this fast. I promise I am getting somewhere. Verse 16. And he divided the 300 men into the three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. He said, and look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow the trumpet, I know that are with me. Then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon comes back from the enemy camp. He's, he's all fired up. He instructs his men with, with the battle plans the Lord's given him. He, he gave them a, each a trumpet. And, he, and then he, and he gave them each a, 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 an empty pitcher and put a lamp inside the pitcher. That pitcher means an earthen vessel. means a clay pot. He gave it each, gave it each one of them. And Gideon said, you just watch me and you do what I do. When I blow the trumpet, then you blow the trumpet. When I shout, then you shout. When I shout the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, you say the same thing. Gideon, he spent time with God, and God has spent time grooming Gideon's faith, growing his faith, teaching him he can trust the Lord. This army, however, has not had the same assurance given to him. Gideon may have told him about it, but they weren't there. They have been at camp. They have been drinking the water. They have been talking with God. They have not been talking with God like Gideon has been. And you have to admit, if you're in the army, you'd be looking at your general Gideon, the guy that was a farmer last week, is he sure he talked to the actual God? Who's he been talking to? Has he really spent time with God or has he just lost his mind? Is he going to get us killed? Notice Gideon says, as I do, so shall you do. It's a challenge to every leader, especially every spiritual leader. It's a huge challenge to me as a pastor. If you're a leader, you're supposed to live in such a way that you can say the same thing. We have enough of these do as I say, none as I do leaders need some leaders like Gideon. Not just a pastor is good for parents. You ought to be able to tell your kids, do as I do, not do what I do. You want your children to be more spiritual, you be more spiritual, do as I do. You want your, children, you want your kids to do something, you do it first. Lead by example. Imagine if Gideon told these men, okay, you're going to go out there in the dark with a pitcher and a, and a, and a trumpet, and you're going to stand there, and I'm going to tell you to shout, and you're going to shout, and I'm going to be hiding back here at camp beside the well. Imagine it wouldn't go over too well. He doesn't say that. wouldn't put much confidence in that kind of leader. Gideon says, you just follow my lead. As I do, so shall you do. We see their battle plan. We see their victory, verse number 17. So Gideon, the hundred men that were with him, came into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers, held the lamps in their left hands and trumpets in their right hands to blow with them, and they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place, ran about the camp, and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. They followed his lead. They came to the east outside of the camp. They blew their trumpets. They broke their pitchers. They cried, the sword Lord and of Gideon. And then what does it say in verse 21? They stood up every man in his place, ran about the camp, and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. What did they do? It says they stood. So all they had to do was just stand up where God told them to stand up. Stand where God told them to stand. You say, I don't understand why God keeps sifting me and testing my faith. Why does God keep challenging me? Why do I have to keep going through these trials? What does God want me to do? Many times he just wants you to stand. Just stand and do what he said to do and stand on his promises, stand on his word, not back down off of it, let him handle the Bible. They didn't need a sword because they weren't going to fight at this point. They just needed to stand where God told them to stand. Just follow what Lord thus saith, Lord, and just stand. Let him handle the rest of it. Let the Lord handle the rest of the troubles and the fighting. We talked about Sunday night, just follow the word of God. Let him handle the rest of it. Well, if I take the sand and so-and-so is not going to like it, well, if I don't allow my kids to do this, they're, they're not, if I don't let them do this or that, they're not going to like it. Can I help you a little bit here? Just stand where God told you to stand. Don't worry about the rest. Let him fight the battle. Let him handle the rest of it. You just stand. It may not be easy. Not everybody, everybody may not like it. 
what he told you to do. I struggle with this myself. Lord, encourage me while studying this. Just stand. Just do what you're supposed to do. Let the Lord handle the rest of it. Just stand for what's right. See, the enemy started fighting after Israel stood. The Lord allowed it to happen. The enemy started fighting with each other because God had set them against each other. And they started fighting each other and stabbing each other and decided that was enough of that. And they ran out of the camp and ran out of there as fast as they could. And the rest of the men of Israel gathered together, many from different tribes, and started chased after the Midianites. Ephraim even got involved, and they ended up slaying the two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. Gideon's battle started with him at a wine press. And this battle ended with Zeb dying by his wine press. It started with, with Gideon building the altar, God's altar on top of the rock, ending with the slaying of the enemy Oreb on top of his rock. And Ephraim brought the heads back to Gideon. The farmer brought the heads to the farm, the general. Came through all that to get to this, this main point here. Entire first part of this chapter, the Lord is sifting down enemies, Gideon's army, smaller and smaller, and taking more and more faith to follow through with that. Then they win the battle by breaking a pot. They stood, and they broke a pot, and they won the battle. They had to chase the enemy and kill him later on. That part of the battle was won by standing and breaking a pot. They had a trumpet in one hand, a pitcher in the other hand. That pitcher there, it means an earthen vessel, a clay pot. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by, but by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this word have blinded the minds of them which believe not, as little G-O-D, it's talking about Satan. Lest the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, whom is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, whom commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Stop right there for the second time. What is this passage talking about? For God who command the light to shine out of darkness. What is the light? It says right there, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's the light of the gospel. The light is knowing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He has commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He sent his own son to die for us. He has commanded us to spread the gospel. He has given us the hope of eternity if we accept it. He has given us the gospel. He's given us the light. What does it say? Well, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is that? We have this treasure, this light in earthen vessels. Lord saves you enjoying the Holy Spirit. This earthen vessel would be me and you. This light in earthen vessels. He shined in our hearts. That's what it says. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. What is that? Peace in the storm. We are perplexed, but not in despair. What does that mean? We are confused and have no idea what to do, but we're not worried about it. Why? Because we have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you're saved tonight, you have the light of God and earthen vessels. Get in. How do you win? With a light in an earthen vessel. A light hidden in an earthen vessel. Can somebody grab that light for me back there? All of them. All four. If you're saved tonight, you have the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Light of that candle, you don't. Burning inside of you. As long as the earthen vessel is whole, who can see the light? Only God can see the light. If I hold it, as long as it's above you, nobody else can see the light. As long as Gideon's, arm, Gideon's pictures were whole, only God saw those, saw those 300 lights. 
As long as their pitchers were hold, hold up, held up beside the camp, only God could see what they were doing. The only thing, only, they're only useful to the person holding them at this time. Right now, it's just get, making my hands warm. It's giving me light right here. It's good for me. But as long as it's whole, it's useless to the rest of you. A lamp, this lamp like this is only good for me. Your light, if kept to yourself, is only good for you. You've been given light. Kept to yourself is only good for you. I believe there are times, we have, a, we have a picture of it here. I believe there are times when God made us out to break that picture to let some light out. Let's see if I can do this. Well, that didn't work. Earlier worked. Earlier practice didn't work. Picture that's broken, I've had a lot more light. Now, it's good for others. Now it shines so others can see. Now it scared the thousands of many nights so bad they started running around circles and stabbing each other. You sit here tonight, and you may feel broken. You may feel confused, perplexed is how Paul describes it. Maybe God has just tried to, had to break you a little to let some light out. You don't raise your hands. or anyone here tonight that feels broken, broken physically. I mean, there's many that have health problems here that are not even here tonight. Broken emotionally, family, marriage problems, stress. Broken financially, like we've all been there before. Can I encourage you tonight, a broken picture is better at shining the light than a whole picture is. A broken picture is better used to shine the light than a, than a whole picture is. We all go through trials, we all go through hard times. And we're over here with this super glue trying to glue it all back together, trying to fix it ourselves. The point of it being broken so others can see inside. You say, preacher, I don't like that. I, can I be honest? I don't like it either. I wish it was all fun and games and never had any hard times or bad times. But the truth of the matter is we're in the world like everybody else is. We have health problems like everybody else does. We have family problems like everybody else does. The difference is when we're broken, something comes out. It ought to come out. We're going to have trouble. We're going to have trials. Don't let the hard times go to waste. Spend some time with the Lord. Try to find out what he wants you to do and stand and let your pictures shine so others can see it. Let your light shine so others can see Charles Spurgeon said, the promises of God shine brightest in the furnace of affliction. It's in claiming those promises that we gain the victory. I don't like talking about these hard times. I wish I could skip over it. The Lord laid out here as plain as day in this passage here. I believe it's maybe it's just for me. I don't know. Battles aren't fun. Fighting a battle, especially when you're outnumbered like Gideon, are not fun. But if you'll follow the Lord and fight it his way and do it the way he told you to do it and stand where he told you to stand and take a stand on the scriptures, we told you to take a stand on the scriptures, you can come on the other side better off than you were in the valley and you may influence somebody else with the light you shined in the meantime. Gideon had a lot of doubts going on, going into this thing. In the end of it, he ended up, being, he ended up holding the heads of his two enemies, the farmer did. I titled this, When God Breaks You Down. It's not something we like to talk about, but a broken vessel shines a lot brighter than a whole one does. It's in the hard times God can use you. It's in the hard times the light can come out and influence somebody else. It's in those times can be brighter than any other time. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for giving us. Thank you for this passage here. Thank you for scripture. Lord, thank you for the example we have of Gideon and all he did. Lord, I thank you for what done for us here tonight. Lord, I help us take advantage of the times you've given us. Lord, help us to reach more in this community. Lord, help us to shine our light when we need to. Lord, I pray you help us to go our several ways this week in Jesus' name.